Chapter Thirteen of Campfire Girls in the Allegheny Mountains. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Campfire Girls in the Allegheny Mountains by Stella M. Francis. Chapter Thirteen. Find her, or I'll find her myself. Mr. Stanlock came home from a meeting of mining stockholders about the time when consternation over the disappearance of Helen was at its height. After the particulars of the affair, so far as they were known, had been explained to him, he asked, Where are the detectives? The question fell with something of a shock on the ears of the assembled searchers, who had just completed a second fruitless hunt through the house. Why had they not thought of the trio of mystery masters before? We ought to have called them in at once, Mrs. Stanlock said. I suppose they've gone by this time, but I'll see. She pushed the buzzer button in the hall, and soon the chauffeur appeared at the side entrance. Yes, the detectives had gone but he knew where they could be found at the High Peak Athletic Club. Mr. Stanlock at once called up the club and soon had one of the detectives on the wire. Can you men come over at once? he inquired. One of the girls has disappeared and we are afraid that something serious has happened. Yes, we'll be there right away, was the answer. Twenty minutes later there was a ring at the door and the three detectives, a tall thin man, a short heavy man, and a squarely built angular man, were ushered in. The short heavy man, named Myers, was the most talkative of the three. He put forth a string of questions as to when and where Helen was last seen, and what she was doing. Had anybody seen her go out of the house? Nobody had. Was there anything peculiar in her manner in the course of the day? Nothing peculiar. What kind of girl was she? What were her most noticeable characteristics? Had she any pronounced likes and dislikes? Was she in the habit of doing things just to be contrary? Was she a girl of good judgment, or flightly and light-headed? These questions brought out nothing of tangible advantage and number one rested apparently well satisfied with the keenness of his record thus far made. Number two now took up the inquiry. He was the squarely built angular fellow, with deep-set eyes, quiet demeanour, and few words. His first question was, Has Miss Nash any other friends living in Holly Hill? No, I think not, Marion replied. No particular friends. None that she ever corresponds with, persisted the man with the deep-set eyes. Marion started visibly. Sudden recollection of the letter received by Helen the day before came to her. She got a letter postmarked Holly Hill yesterday, the young hostess replied. Who was it from? I don't know. I didn't know that she was corresponding with anybody in the town, but the address on the envelope looked as if it was written by a man. Do you suppose you could find that letter? I'll go upstairs and look, Marion said, suiting the action to the word. 
In a few minutes she returned with a waste paper basket in her hands. Helen was sharing my room with me, she said. A letter has been torn up and thrown in the basket. As I didn't do it, it must be Helen's. This begins to look like something, the tall man said with a nod of approval, picking up several bits of paper from the basket. She's torn it up in pretty small pieces. But if we all get busy, we ought to be able to put them together in a short time. Let's go out to the dining room table, Mrs. Stanlock proposed, leading the way as she spoke. In a few moments, all were seated around the large fumed oak table from which the spread had been removed as the hardwood surface was much better for the task of piecing the letter together. It was, indeed, a tedious task, but with so many working together, progress was fairly rapid. Within fifteen minutes, half a dozen sentence sections of several words each had been joined in their phrase order. These were soon followed by three or four more, and presently one of the girls found a connecting link between two sections, thus forming a complete sentence. Imagine the thrill that went through everyone as Mr. Stanlock read the following. Get your friends out of Holly Hill as soon as possible. I bet this letter was written by the same person who wrote the skull and crossbones letter to me, Marion ventured confidently. That's the very idea that just occurred to me, Miss Ladd declared as she fitted no and difference together and then tried to find a connecting edge on the piece held by her neighbour to the left. Fortunately, the letter had been written on only one side of a large sheet of paper, so that they could be pasted in correlative positions on another sheet provided for the purpose. Finally, the patchwork was completed, in so far as the material at hand made completeness possible. A few of the bits of torn paper were missing, so that a word was wanting here and there in the text. But apparently the idea and purpose of the writer did not suffer from these vacancies. The letter, as read at last by Mr. Stanlock, was as follows. Dear R, you have failed to do what I, blank, you two do. I told you that it was, blank, dangerous to bring the girls here. The letter was warning to Miss Stan, blank, did no good, blank. I want to warn you again, and, blank, blank, last time. Get your friends out of Holly Hill as soon as possible. I won't be responsible for what occurs. It makes no difference if you have given up your original purpose. Some of the men are so worked up that they are liable to do almost anything. If you can't get the rest out of town, go yourself, or you may get hurt. D. Blank. Aha! exclaimed the short, heavy, and loquacious detective. That explains the whole thing. Miss Nash has gone out of town. She hasn't done any such thing, Marion exclaimed indignantly, springing to her feet. Helen isn't that kind of girl. I know she is peculiar, but she isn't a coward. 
It's evident now that she knew something about affairs here that resulted in the sending of that threatening letter to me, and she kept her information secret for some reason. Whatever her reason was, she meant all right. Did she at any time urge or suggest that it would not be well for the girls to come here in the holidays? Mr. Stanlock inquired. Never a word, Marion replied positively. I admit that once or twice I noticed that there was something peculiar in her manner, and it may have had something to do with her condition back of these developments, but that is all. How do you account for her disappearance? asked Detective Meyer, with puzzled humility. I don't pretend to account for it, Marion replied quickly. That's a problem for you men to solve. All I know is that Helen did not intentionally desert us. She's gone, and she went for some reason, and I believe that reason is connected with the letter. Now it's up to you men to find her, and if you don't find her pretty quick, I'll go and find her myself. A murmur of applause swept the room. We'll do it, declared the tall, thin detective. If it's within human power, conditioned the square-built, deep-eyed man. The talkative gentleman of genius said nothing. All three of them left the house a few minutes later. End of chapter 13